You know, one of the most difficult burdens of being a pastor is watching people drop out of church and away from the Lord. In today's podcast, Pastor Brent Snook introduces us to a man named Demas who was serving the Lord until the world got a hold of his heart. Brent will warn you of the danger of backsliding and then encourage you to be faithful to the Lord. You can be seated if you would. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 6. And then you can also turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to look at two different passages of Scripture this morning. Thank you, praise team, for praise band as well, for leading us today. They have certainly worked hard during these, this period of time of COVID, and I appreciate it very, very much. There is a very interesting passage of Scripture in the book of John, chapter 6. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 people. And all of us know that story. It's a great passage. It's an exciting time to read that. I never get weary of reading it, and I'm sure you do not either. As Jesus had just fed the 5,000, the next day, you remember what happened, don't you? The next day, the people, the multitude of people came back because they wanted more food. And that's understandable. And, um, but Jesus used that occasion to teach them that he is the bread of life. Thank you, Adam. And he shared that with them because it was the lesson. It was the reason that he had fed them the day before. Yes, there was a social need. They were hungry, and they were there to hear him teach and preach, and there were a multitude of people there, but uh, he fed them. But knowing that they would come back for more food, he taught them that he was, as I said, the bread of life. And Jesus explained to them that this food that he had given them the day before, it would perish. It would not sustain them, but that eternal food was what they needed and that he was that eternal food he was and is the bread of life and so let's pick up the reading with that in John chapter 6 verse 58 he said this is that bread which came down from heaven not as your fathers did eat manna he's talking about Moses in the wilderness with the people and now they're dead he that eateth of this bread talking about the bread of life himself, they shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue. Well, man, that's interesting. He didn't say this out in the wilderness. He didn't say this over on the mountaintop. He said this in the synagogue. Now he's in trouble. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, in other words, they did not like what he's teaching now, he said unto them, does this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 
And then he went on and he said something to them. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Think about that. He said it to the twelve. Will you also leave me? Today I want to look at a man who did exactly that. He walked away from Jesus. His name was Demas. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 or chapter 4 verse 10, it says this, Paul said this, He said, Demas hath forsaken me because he loved this present world. Who was Demas? You probably don't know much about him. Not very many people do. There's not really a whole lot in Scripture that is said about Demas, but we do know some things about him. Demas actually had been a ministry partner of the Apostle Paul. Now, don't let that slip by, okay? He had been a ministry partner with the missionary, the Apostle Paul. How do we know that? Because in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, uh, 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 Paul said, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas, we greet you. And then in Philemon chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, who's my fellow servant. These are my fellow laborers. These are the guys that travel with me. These are the guys that serve with me. These are the guys that minister with me. These are the guys that preach with me. So what do we know about Demas? Well, from just these verses, we know that Demas had been a great witness for Jesus Christ. He had walked with Christ. He had a testimony for Jesus Christ. But Demas, something happened in his life. He defected to this present world. Now, how in the world did that happen? How did it happen that Demas, a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul, defected and went back into the world? Well, we are told in just that little phrase. How did it happen? He developed a great love for the world. You want to know what one of the most difficult things about being a shepherd or a pastor of a local church is? Watching people drop out of church and away from God. Watching people defect and leave and go back into the world. Oh, going away from Jesus occurs when people abandon the church and abandon the people of the church. I want to tell you something. 
Listen carefully. This COVID-19 period of time is a very dangerous time. It is a dangerous time because it is so easy for people to get away from where they are used to being. And some of you that are watching online, you should be away. It's dangerous for you to be here because of health conditions. I'm not talking about that. I'm so glad that you're watching online and hundreds and hundreds and uh, more than that are watching. We understand that. But there is something, as you know, about being away from the people of God. And there's something about being away from the local church. It's a dangerous time, and we better understand it as a dangerous time. Now, people have walked away from Jesus repeatedly over and over and over again. And this will continue to happen just like Demas did. It'll happen until the rapture occurs. Backsliding can happen to anybody, including you and including me. Do you know why Demas walked away from God? You said, yeah, because he was carnal. No, because he was human. It can happen to anybody. Now, how do people backslide? How do they begin to walk away from God and get away from God? Well, most of the time, it's very gradual. It's a gradual thing. It's not something that happens all at once. It begins with just little compromises, little indulgences, choosing to do what you see other people do. By the way, just because they claim Jesus and just because they go to a local church, even if it's First Baptist, doesn't mean it's okay for you to do it. It's just little compromises and little indulgences, choosing to do what everybody else seems to be doing. You see, sin is a powerful force. And Satan, as I said a week or two ago, he is a much smarter and more intelligent than you and I will ever be. He's the deceiver. People gently and slowly, the world seeks its way into the heart. And it hardens the heart day by day. And the person is usually unaware that a change is even happening. In fact, most of the time, other people see it before they ever see it. It happens to church members. It happens to pastors. It happens to spiritual leaders. Think about it. Samson fell. He was God's man. He fell because of women. Lot's wife fell because of position and status, and she was enamored with the big city. Judas fell because of money. And you know the list goes on and on and on and on and on, even in the Bible. My friend, friendship with the world and love of God, they don't go together. They just don't. The world hates truth. And I'm telling you right now, this nation of ours is hating truth more and more and more and more. And they're hating this book. They're hating Christians. I retweeted something that Tim Tebow put out. Did anybody see that? Yeah. Twitter warned him. Warned him for what? For what? 
because he talked about Jesus Christ and they warned him. And then a lot of people came out against Twitter for warning him and then they said it was a mistake. Hogwash. Crazy. Mistake. And I'm telling you, if you can't see it, you got some blunt, you got your mask up over your eyes. We got a problem big time. And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's why I'm telling you, it may get that the churches have less and less and less attendance because it's going to filter away. And people who do not mean business for Jesus Christ, they're going away. And it's going to get harder, not easier. The world hates truth. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said through the Apostle James that when we love the world and love Jesus, it's actually doesn't happen and it can't happen and it won't happen. And James says it's just spiritual adultery. Now Demas listened to the wooing call of the world for too long. He was tempted and gave and compromised too much in his heart. And Demas, all of a sudden, he went back to Thessalonica. Now, I want to tell you, I was in Thessalonica. They call it Thessaloniki now. And I get it. Man, it was a cool place. Back when Paul was uh, penning these words, when Demas went back to the world, he went to Thessalonica. It was a city right on the Aegean Sea. It was one of the biggest cities around of 200,000 people. And it was located right on the beautiful Aegean Sea. And all of the world's vices were on display in that city. And Demas was overcome with his desire to return to the world. He went back to Thessalonica. Do you remember the verse Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 36? You remember it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole, what, world and lose his own soul? I want to do something this morning because I believe that most of you profess to be saved. I want you to consider this in a different way. What shall it profit a man, a woman, a teenager, if he gain the whole world and lose his own, and I want to leave it blank? Because I want to ask the question this morning, what do we lose when we as professing Christians walk away from Jesus? What do we lose? The first thing that we lose is the alliance of fellowship. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, here's what it says. You can read it on the screen. John said, that which we have seen, what does he mean? Well, he was an apostle. He walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, listened to Jesus, with Jesus, day and day and night. For three years... He said, that which we have seen, that's what we have heard. We're going to tell you that you also may have fellowship, underline that word, with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He says, now, this book, these things that I'm writing unto you, 
I'm writing unto you so that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, Jesus, and now we declare it unto you that God is light and in him, God, there's no darkness at all. Then he says this, if we say we have fellowship with him, Jesus, but we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. There are two relationships with God that is considered in 1 John. Two relationships. Number one, the relationship of sonship. What is that? Sonship has to do with being in the family of God. The second relationship in 1 John 1 is not only the relationship of sonship, but it's also the relationship of fellowship. Now listen carefully. All Christians, all true believers have sonship. But all true believers don't have fellowship. No, they don't. How do we know that? Because of John. But what does he say causes a loss of fellowship? Verse 6, walking in darkness. Walking in darkness. John says, I mean, he uses some strong language here. John says, if you say one thing and live another, you're a walking lie. Whoa, come on, man. Too many people walk with the saints on Sunday and walk with the sinners on Monday. They pretend to be one thing and practice another thing. When a Christian does that, they do several very detrimental things. Number one, they misrepresent Jesus Christ. They misrepresent the Lord. And number two, they misdirect the lost. They point them in the wrong direction. Friend, there are lost people everywhere looking for the light of Jesus Christ. The question, do they see light in us or do they see darkness in us? A number of years ago, we had a, a doctor in the area who was treating one of our daughters and told Joy and me <laughs> that they were privately looking to see if they were real. Do you know that people are privately seeking to see if you are real? They're not going to say anything to you. They're not going to say, hey, Brent, man, are you real? But they sure are looking. They, as the darkness of the world, are looking to see some light. When I was a youth pastor... Before coming to Cincinnati, there was a kid in my youth group who was funny, and everybody liked him. He was just, he was just funny. I mean, he was fun to be around because he was funny. Everything came out of his mouth. It's just, you know, something in his brain. It was just turned it, and it just funny. And I'll never forget, but man, oh man, he didn't, he just, he just didn't have a heart for God. And we went to the Wilds camp, 
And as we got on the bus at the wilds to come back to St. Louis area, Alton, Illinois, I noticed that he was so quiet. And I used to, on that long, long drive home, by the way, in a normal school bus without air conditioned, I used to talk to, try to talk to every one of the teenagers on the way home. Bring them up, sit where I was sitting, ask them, How'd your week go? Did you make any spiritual good decisions? So on and so forth. I didn't get a chance with Sean because he came to me as soon as we were getting on the bus and he said, Pastor Brent, can, can, uh, can I talk to you? Sure. Man, he just poured his heart out to me. Told me how that he'd gotten right with God, the decision that he made at the wilds. And I'm telling you what, when we got back, it was like night and day it was unbelievable he became the leader because he already was funny and he already a lot of everybody liked him but now he was walking with God and man what a difference and for about two years he became a real leader in the youth group but I saw a coldness or something begin to set in and I never forget him standing on my deck back there and the conversation two years after that decision he made. And as he began to tell me how he had grown cold and how he was getting away from God, and I never forget a statement he said. Listen to this, teenagers, young people. He said, Pastor Brent, teenagers accept me more when I'm not serving the Lord. And by the way, he went to a Christian school that our church was in charge of, and it was a ministry of our church. Teenagers, Christian teenagers. He's not talking about public school unsaved. He's not talking about public school saved. He's talking about the teenagers in our youth group said they accept me more when I'm not walking with God. There's one problem with that, I told him. Your fellowship with those teenagers may get stronger, but your fellowship with Jesus Christ is broken. Let me ask you a question today. Which is most important to you? Sean became a miserable young man as he graduated. You know why? Because his fellowship with Jesus Christ was broken and his joy was gone. When you walk away from Jesus, the alliance of your fellowship is lost. There's a second thing that I want to show you very quickly, and that is when we walk away from Jesus, we'll also lose the appropriation of opportunities. Now, we don't know the intricate details of how it all happened, but G uh, Demas walked away from Jesus, and he also walked away from Paul, and we know that he walked away from them for the world. 
At one time, we know that he loved the Lord. Somehow, he started telling, uh, started letting the things of the world creep into his life, and he started putting other activities between himself and the service for Jesus. And no doubt, I guarantee you, he started neglecting his Bible. I guarantee you, he started neglecting his strong, quiet time with God. He started even walking away from some of his Christian friends. And after a while, he became so wrapped up in the material things that he left Paul and he said, I'm going back home and I'm going to spend my life looking out for number one, me. Reminds me of an Old Testament individual. How about you? Lot. Lot wanted both. He wanted the earthly, but he wanted the heavenly. And he tried to straddle the fence. One foot with the things of God, the other foot with the things of the world. Lot's problem, he was in the world and the world was in him. And there is nobody in this church, in the balcony, there's nobody on this main floor, there's nobody on this platform, there's nobody watching online that can't say, well, I don't get what you're talking about. Yes, you do. If your blood is still flowing through your veins, you get it, you understand. This world has a drawing power. And Lot's problem was, yes, he was in the world just like all of us are, but the world was in him. And I guarantee you there are people that are listening to me this morning in this very service who are Christians, but you won't think about God, you won't live for God, you won't serve God, but instead you will live in this world and you will live for this world. And your thought process is, i got one life to live. And you're right. And you can tack on a little bit more than that. You've got one life to live for Jesus. And it seemed like such small decisions to Lot. Didn't seem that bad to Lot at all. It just didn't seem that bad. After all, he was not moving into Sodom. He was just simply moving to the suburbs of Sodom. Let me give you a verse. Be a good one to memorize. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17. The bread of deceit is sweet, but afterward, a man's mouth is filled with gravel. Now, you probably don't want to have a little, uh, you know, show and tell on that one, do you? Go fill your mouth with gravel today. See what he's talking about. Folks, we can never judge a situation by where it is. Listen, listen. You can never judge a situation by where it is. You must always judge a situation by where it is heading a man's focus determines his future. Mark it down. A man's focus determines his future. Don't expect to focus over here and end up over there. It won't happen. It can't happen. Lot focused all on gaining in Sodom. But all that happened was he lost it all. He lost his testimony. He lost his fellowship. He lost his joy. He lost his family. He lost it all. 
Demas lost his opportunity to lead people to Jesus. Demas lost his opportunity to mentor other believers. Demas lost his opportunity to minister with the greatest Christian ever, the Apostle Paul. It was all for something. He lost it all. He lost it all for something that one day will wither away. Friend, loving the world will eventually rip it all away from you. And by the way, one of the greatest opportunities lost is when young parents want to straddle the fence during the short period of time that you have to raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, I beg you young parents, don't squander that opportunity. Don't put it off. Every day is your one period of time to influence your kids for Jesus Christ. One more thing. When you walk away from Jesus... You will lose the accumulation of your rewards. Do you remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20? Lay not up for yourselves, Jesus said, treasures upon this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But, he said, rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Oh, my friend, I'm telling you right now, many earthly millionaires will be heavenly paupers. And many earthly paupers will be heavenly millionaires. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Notice this. Notice this. I've had people say to me before, I don't preach about rewards. Nobody should serve the Lord because of rewards. What are you talking about? It's all through the Scripture. Jesus said it right here. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. So the question is, what will your rewards look like? What will my rewards look like? How many crowns will we really have? Or will our rewards be burned up because we walked away from Jesus? David Jeremiah said, heard him say this on the radio just a couple weeks ago. I'd finished uh, the uh, countdown to Armageddon and been done with that for a while. And, and uh, I turned on, I think it was just last week, and he was talking about the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. And he said that the millennial reign of Christ is talked about so much in Scripture, but preached about so little from pulpits. Friend, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ 
is something that you and I need to remember. Do you know why? Because how we serve, as I said a number of weeks ago, how we serve the Lord now will determine how we are rewarded by Him in the millennium. You think you'll live to be 80, 83, 85, 90? If you live to be 100, that's one-tenth the time of the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. One of the early founders of the Rothschild house borrowed a small amount of money from a friend to get a company started, get his company started, and then he went off to Germany. Fifty years later, the company was known worldwide, the Rothschild house. The friend who had loaned him that small amount of money, he had not stayed in contact with him. They hadn't stayed in contact at all. And 50 years later, that man who had given that small amount of money to this new business owner who made it an amazing worldwide company, he was summoned to the bank 50 years later. Walked into the bank, president of the bank, invited him into his office, and there was standing his long-lost friend. They talked for a little bit, and then the banker presented this man an enormous amount of money. You know what he did? He said, no. He refused it. He said, I can't take that. The banker said, but sir, this is not a gift. This is only the profit of the money that you have given 50 years ago. There is coming a day, Christian, when we will be rewarded a million-fold. So don't walk away from Jesus for this world. Don't do it. 1968, the Summer Olympics were in Mexico City. I was just a little boy. Mamo Walde of Ethiopia won the race to a cheering crowd It was a 26-mile marathon. But the crowd waited there in the stadium for the last participants. And it was getting cool. It was getting dark. And it looked like the last runners were finished. So the spectators began to leave. And all of a sudden, the police sirens and whistles from the marathon gate began to blow. Everyone watched because one last runner made his way onto the track for the last lap around of that 26-mile race. Guy's name was John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania. As he ran that one last lap around that 400-meter circle, people could see that he was hobbling in great pain and great agony. His leg had already been bandaged, and it was still bleeding down through the bandaged area. Why? Because he had fallen midway in the race and hurt himself badly, but he didn't let it stop him. The people in the stadium, when they saw him come close, getting closer and closer to the 
finish line, he got a standing ovation until he reached that line. And when he crossed the line, he began to hobble away. He was asked, why? Why would, did you not quit when you were injured so badly? I want you to listen to his answer. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles away to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles away to finish the race. Listen to me. Jesus Christ did not leave the portals of heaven to die on a cross and shed his precious blood for you and me to start the race. He left heaven, came and bled and died on a cruel cross for us to finish the race. Aren't you glad Jesus finished his race? John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said this. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish my work. God's got a job for us to do. And Satan knows how to get in. He knows how to discourage he knows how to tempt. He knows how to get into your mind. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Finish. Some of you are here and you're teenagers and you need to get right with God and get set on course. Some of you are adults, and you're here, but you know in your heart you're just kind of going through the motions. We must get real. And it's time that you and I, no matter how old we are or young we are, set our faces toward Jesus and run for him. How about it, you in? Or are you on your way out? About to walk away from Jesus. Let's bow our heads. We want to thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. It's no surprise this world has a lot to offer. Demas's heart got deceived and he chose to pursue the lure of the world over the Lord. I wonder if you're being tempted to do the same. And remember, your focus will determine your future, and this world will leave you empty. So pursue the Lord, and your soul will be satisfied. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and please take a moment to write a review for this podcast.